You're listening to the weekly podcast of Citizens Church with Pastor Chris Norman. For more information on the work that God is doing through Citizens Church, please visit us online at citizenschurch.org. Amen, amen. Thank you, Dustin. Hey, why don't you guys get out your Bibles and let's go over to the book of Matthew this morning. Matthew, Matthew, Matthew. You can go to the book of Matthew, chapter 9. Matthew, chapter 9. Tell me when you're there. Anyone there? Say, I'm there. I'm there. If you're not able to find it, look to a neighbor next to you and they'll help you find it. And if they don't know what they're doing, you can look on the screen because we'll have the verse for you there. Verses for you there. So, We've been in this series where we've been kind of shifting gears into this new season that we're in as a church, and, and we, we're running after everything that's inside of God's heart, and we believe that God wants to move us beyond. God is always wanting to move us beyond where we are, and so we looked at, in the first two weeks, moving beyond uh, our strength, amen, and now we've been looking at this whole concept of being able to move beyond, move beyond, um, beyond who's here. And I want you to understand that God's heart is that we would move beyond who's here. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that today. Next week, we're going to be looking at, am I really loud out there, everybody? Is it just me? I feel like I'm a little, like, I'm going to make your ears bleed because I haven't even yelled yet. And we're going to make, I'm not even preaching yet. And we're going to, so next week, if you guys could get here. Um, we're going to be looking at moving beyond where we've been. It's going to be a really big week, everybody. So come back, bring your friends with you. We're going to be, actually, I'm calling it like a, it's like a vision Sunday. We're going to share with you some of what we've, where we've been over this last year and what we believe God's calling us into as we move into the fall and into this next year. So bring everybody with you next week. It's going to be a great week, all right? Amen? But today, the second part of like moving beyond who's here. I need you to understand this morning that the church does not exist just for those who are here, it exists for those who are not here yet. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 and 36, we read this. Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, someone say he saw the multitudes. He saw the multitudes. What happened? When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, listen, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. The church does not exist merely for who is here. The church exists for those who are not here yet. God loves not just those who are here. God loves who's here, right? Amen. You're like, God loves me. I know that. God also loves those who are not here yet. Jesus died, not just for those who are here. Jesus gave his life for those who are not here yet. God is focused, right now his heart and mind, is focused not just on who is here. God is focused on who is not here yet. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it tells us this. The Son of Man came to, came to seek and to save that which is what? Lost. Where's the heart of God? Where's the heart of Jesus? If you're to interview him, Jesus, why did you come to the earth? He says, I came to seek and save those that are lost. My mind is focused on those that are lost. We look at last week this 
this passage of scripture where Jesus says, hey, listen, I am so into this. I am so focused on this. I will leave the 99 and go after the one. Don't you love the 99, Jesus? I absolutely love the 99. He said, but I'll leave those 99 to go after the one because the, in, in the window of time that we have right now, what matters is me moving my mic over so that it doesn't pop anymore in your ears. Hello, there we go. Jesus says, what matters right now, watch, watch a, a professional right now preach and unwire himself. Jesus says, what matters right now is, is going after the one. Because we have, a, we have a window of opportunity right now that is closing to go and find the ones and bring them home before the day of Christ Jesus. And so that's what he's focused on. That's where his, his heart is. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He lived his life reaching out to the lost. He died for the lost. He was raised for the lost. And then in Matthew, he sent his disciples to go after the lost, right? So in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven has been given to me. Therefore, what's it say? Go. Therefore do what? Go. Therefore what? Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus' life was lived on the mission of finding the lost. He discipled his disciples to reach the lost. When he ascended to heaven, he told his disciples, now you go and continue to stay focused on the lost. He sent his spirit. And when, this, when God in scripture, in the book of Acts chapter two, sent his spirit, what was the main objective of sending his spirit? He says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power to be what? Witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the world. The sending of the spirit of God was to give us the dunamis power that we need to carry out his objective. What's his objective? Seeking and saving the lost. Again, the church exists not just for those who are here, but those who are not here yet. And I want you to understand what, what I mean when I say that. I'm not just talking about in the building, people who are not in the building yet. I'm talking about people who have not yet committed their lives to Jesus. People who have not yet experienced life and life more abundantly. And if you are one of those in here today, I'm telling you, everything we're doing, everything we're doing is so that you can experience the life that Jesus came to, came to give you. That you can experience the life that he died to bring you that he rose to lead you into. Everything we do is to see you come home. And I want you to know that there is a home, that your heart right now is, is longing for home and that home is found in the context of living with Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And it's everything we do. Come on, church, amen? That's our heart. So God says that this is the main thing. And he asks the church to make it the main thing. God says we're not just a church for church's sake. We're a church for our friends' sake. We're a church for our family's sake. We're a church for the city's sake, right? Come on, we're, we're the church for the nation's sake. And we have to keep our, our mind fixed on that, focused on it. This is the main thing in God's heart. And it needs to be the main thing in our heart as well. Well, here's the problem we face is when we, as a church, or the, the church at large, forgets to keep the main thing the main thing, we make side things the main thing. And there's a lot of good side things, but these side things are not the main thing. And we get all, we are all consumed with the side things, and we then don't live out his objective of, of the main thing. So what are, the, what are some of the side things that we get trapped in? 
we get kind of stuck in. I, I, I'm gonna give you just a couple and then I'm gonna go into how we stay focused on what Jesus called us to be focused on. So here's some things we sometimes focus on and let's talk about what Jesus called us to be focused on, amen? So what are some of the side things we sometimes get focused on? I think if we don't keep the main thing the main thing, we get distracted by some good things like we get distracted by, we're just gonna go deep. I just wanna go, I, I want uh, being deep. So I want to know more stuff. And we boil, watch, Christianity down to some kind of intellectual club, often sitting in coffee shops talking deep theology. Now listen, I obviously love theology. I've studied theology with my life. I committed myself to getting a degree in studying theology. Why? Because theology matters. It is the core essential truths of what we believe, why we believe them, how we hold on to them, what, what is Orthodox Christianity, what is not, and we're gonna study and we're gonna understand theology. But watch, listen, please. If your theology does not move you out of coffee shops discussing it and into the world reaching people with it, then you've got the wrong theology. Because theology is meant to burn a fire within us that loves God and loves people. And so if all I do is sit around getting deeper and talking, wanting to know more stuff, I've missed it altogether. The reason we know more about God is so that we can glorify him, bring and, and, and honor to him and worship him with our lives. And the way we do that, friends, is it's no, it's no mistake that Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And then he said, love your neighbor. as." How do you do this? A lot of it is by doing that. It's going, and he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so, we will go deep, but not for the sake of going deep. We go deep because the deeper we go, it allows us to go wider. The, the more I understand, the further I reach. Amen? So the main thing is reaching lost people. Think about what was Jesus, decide, when he was talking and teaching them theology, what was, when he was discipling his disciples, what was he discipling his disciples to do? to go out and reach the world. He called them to go and do such. So I think sometimes we focus on going deep. And it, it's a good thing, but it's not the main thing. Uh, we sometimes focus on community. Now listen, I love community. We are launching small groups, everybody. It's a great time to talk about this. Yesterday they opened up. They are opening up Today, if you want to lead a small group, you still can. If you want to join a small group, you, you can't. It is a main thing here at Citizens Church. We love getting into community. But you need to understand that we are not on the mission of community. We are a community of mission. And it's two different things. Does that make sense? So we are not here going, I just got to, I got to be in community. I got to be, it's all about community. I'm just going to make it about community. No, we are a community that actually goes out on mission. To, to prove my point, when Jesus invited his disciples to follow him, what did he invite his disciples into? Follow me and we will have a lot of potlucks and get really close and, and, ha and have community. Now watch, did they have community? Yes. Did they have a few potlucks from time to time? Absolutely. I mean, come on. They are, he eat, Jesus ate all the time. He loved to eat. But what he invited him into was not community. He invited him into what? Cause. Some say Cause. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It was very clear. If you're gonna follow me, here's the main objective, fishers of men. 
all the other things, community and everything, it's all gonna be, it's all gonna follow in the slipstream of, of this mission of reaching some lost people, being fishers of men. Does that make sense? So I always say, we say in our culture points that we're not on the mission of community. We're a community of, of mission. Now listen, when you live that way, you will experience a deeper sense of community in the body of Christ. It's where it's meant to come alive, in the body of Christ, than you will ever experience anywhere else. You experience a deeper sense of community here when we're going after the, the, the nation and looking to change the, the city. You'll experience community here that you will not experience on the soccer field, that you won't experience in your bowling league. Amen. Because we are fighting for actually what matters and God enables that through community. In Matthew chapter nine that we read this morning, Jesus is moving from city to city and he's facing challenge after challenge, problem after problem. I mean, he's dealing with all sorts of issues from religious people, hateful people. I mean, this is what the background of Matthew nine that we read. He's got sick people. He's dealing with dead people got a demon-possessed guy that he's dealing with. It's like one thing after another, and Jesus kind of seems like he can't catch his breath. He's dealing with so many problems. But then in Matthew chapter 9, it slows down a little bit to show you what was happening in the heart of Jesus while he was dealing with all this stuff. Anyone dealing with some stuff today? Right? Jesus knows what it is. He's dealing with stuff. Anyone dealing with some stuff at, at work? Anyone dealing with some stuff in our nation? You're dealing with some stuff at school. You're dealing with, Jesus is dealing with all this stuff. But I want you to see what he's focused on. Because maybe if we could focus on what he's focused on, we could actually go and live in what he's called us to live in, this commission that he's given us. And so I think this is a shift that needs to happen in our heart. In Matthew chapter 9, as Jesus went through all the cities and the villages, we could bring it up, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every afflicted. When he saw the crowds, watch this, he had, what's it say? Compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What's the focus of Jesus in the middle of everything? In the, in the middle of all that he's facing, in the middle, I mean, these are, these are the very people that, will soon be crying out, crucify him, crucify him. These are the very people that are out talking bad about him, causing him all sorts of trouble. But when Jesus sees them, he has, someone say compassion. Jesus has compassion on him. And friends, you need to understand this. If we are going to be effective at keeping the main thing the main thing, if we are gonna put our focus where his focus is, evangelism, reaching lost people, then we also have to put our focus on compassion. Why? Because his heart was constantly focused on compassion. His heart was constantly focused on loving those who would maybe, in our opinion, seem to be outside the realm of those who should be loved. But Jesus is focused on compassion. He looks at this crowd, it's the, it's the same ones causing him problems, the same ones that are, are behind his crucifixion soon to come, and, and his heart is moved with compassion. That's in Jesus. You know, and it worries me when we allow anything other than compassion to come from our hearts. Jesus is compassionate. Our God is a compassionate God. And if the church is gonna be focused on what he's focused on, we have to learn to allow compassion 
to flow from our hearts as well. Uh, it, it worries me when people take the liberty to start labeling people or labeling parties and labeling movements and, and, and grouping people together and saying, well, and now we start to nurture these attitudes inside our heart toward them. Well, it's, you know, that, that, let's just get real, like that political party, oh, I can't believe that, those people, those people, I get, you know, those people. And we just nurture these attitudes. People struggling with different <clears throat> sins, things that obviously God does not approve of. And what we do is instead of actually helping them, we label them, put them in a group over him, over here, and, and now nurture attitudes toward them. Well, I can't believe. And, did you, and then we're like, can you, we have these, this heart that's not actually the heart of Jesus. Yes, Jesus sees the sin, but you know how much he loves that sinner? He gave his life for them. And he told you now to go and reach them. And, and listen, real quick, if sometimes because we are, are not allowing ourselves to be filled with compassion, we, we end up with indifference. And we're actually indifferent to the things that Jesus actually is calling us to be compassionate toward. Think about this. We, we go to extremes where we are now trying to distance ourselves from, keep ourselves from the very people that Jesus died to reach, that Jesus died and sent his spirit to enable us to help. We are now pushed away. Because instead of compassion, we have indifference. And so you could kind of feel it sometimes in, in, in little crowds of us churchy people. We don't want to be churchy people. We want to be Jesus people. And, and Jesus people love people no matter what. Why? Because Jesus loves people no matter what. Even that, politi even that political part. Even struggling with that sin. Even, even struggling with that sin. And I need you to understand this. The reason you have a relationship with Jesus today, those of you who are Christians in here today, is because God is merciful and God is compassionate and God is loving and he chose to forgive you of, come on, of your stuff. How dare we now walk around going, well, get all like, can't believe those. Did you see what they were doing? Did you hear? It's right where you would be if it wasn't for the mercy and grace of God upon your life. And so Jesus, said, Jesus like is modeling this. These are the people that are about ready to crucify him, coming in crowds, and his heart stops, and it's filled with compassion. He sees them as sheep without a shepherd. They're lost. And church, we have to allow that heartbeat to be within us because it's the heartbeat of Jesus. Where is he focused? On loving people. He's focused on compassion. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44, Jesus is correcting the religious Pharisees. He says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Pause with me for a second. Keep the, keep the verse up here. This comes out of a misinterpretation of Old Testament scripture. Jesus told them to go and to tear down the idols of the false gods and to do, you know, to, to not, to, um, whenever they would move into a territory, to not allow those false idols to, to stand. 
And they then misinterpreted the heart of God and said, well, God wants us to go in and destroy these people. No, he didn't want you to destroy the people. He wanted you to remove from the people the, the obstacle of the false God that they were running after. He wanted you to help them see that it was false so that they could turn to the true and living God. So the, the Jews came up with this saying that they made up. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Who's your enemy? Anyone who doesn't, anyone who worships a false God. Anyone who's given over to sin. Anyone who's given over to, to things that are outside God's heart. So God wants us to love my neighbor who happens to be any other Christian or any other Jew and hate my enemy who happens to be anyone who's not, anyone who doesn't. And so Jesus is correcting that. And I think you do the same thing in the church today. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate, fill in the blank. And hate, fill in the blank. And distance yourself from, fill in the blank. Nope, Jesus says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So love your enemies, the ones that you've labeled, and pray for the ones that you've labeled that are even viciously coming back to you, viciously attacking you because of your beliefs. He says, you know what you do with them? You, you pray for them. You don't shun them, you don't, come on. You have, listen, compassion on them. That's the whole point. Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Should I, should I give you some more so you understand? This is genuinely the heart of God. The Good Samaritan, what was the whole point of the Good Samaritan? You remember, right? Somebody gets, this, this, Samarit, this, um, this person gets beat up and left on the side of the road to die. Okay, they, They've been robbed, they've been hurt, they're broken. And then it tells us that a, a priest walks by. You're like, oh good, a pastor's coming. He'll help him. And the pastor doesn't help him because he's busy. He's busy doing the pastor things. And then a Levite, an assistant pastor comes by. And like, oh, maybe the assistant pastor will help. Nope, doesn't help. He's too busy too. He got to get up there. He walks by. Then it says a Samaritan comes by. And the Samaritan, it says, sees this man that had been beaten. What did Jesus do with the crowd? He saw the crowd, paid attention to the crowd. It wasn't just my thing and I'm too busy working on our, you know, focus. That's not really the thing we're supposed to be focused on. Think about the, the priest walked by the very thing that God had enabled them and called them to do, to go do the things that they think they needed to do. This is the very thing that you're called to do. We're, we're walking by the very people that God's called us to reach on the way to go do the things we think that God's called us to do. Is anyone following me? And so finally a Samaritan comes by and goes and cares for this man. Says it puts, it puts on him his own oil, puts him on his own donkey, takes him to an inn, pays for it out of his own pocket, and he cares for the Samaritan. What was the whole point of the Samaritan? Jesus, the, there's this religious guy that was trying to justify those that he loved and didn't love, and Jesus uses the story to tell him, no, you're supposed to love anyone who is nigh, your neighbor, anyone who is close, anyone who's bleeding out, anyone who's hurting, Anyone that you walk by that needs some help, that is hurting in any way, Jesus says, that's where you are supposed to meet people. That the hearts, our hearts are moved to do whatever we have to do to help anyone who's hurting. Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Now, I know what everyone's thinking before I move on to the next point. What about? What about those who deserve this or that because of this or that? I mean, we got a list like, wait, hang on. There's some people, I don't know if they make the list, Pastor Chris. What about those who deserve this or that because of this or that? Even when, in ju even when justice 
demands death. So when somebody has crossed the line and justice from God, justice from just justice sake demands death, it demands retribution, demands punishment, our hearts should be crying out for mercy. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11, it says this, say unto them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their wicked ways and live. Turn from your ways. Why will you die, O people of Israel? Even when they were rejecting God, even when they deserved what was, so, so to speak, coming, his heart is turn, 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 turn. His heart is to give compassion. So listen, here's a question for you. What's going on in your heart? What's going on in your heart? Are you known for your compassion? Jesus says we as a church need to be focused on compassion. Come on, tell your neighbor, say, focus on compassion. Tell them, focus on compassion, focus on compassion. Let me give you one more. What do we also see in Jesus? Jesus is focused on the potential. Matthew 9, verse 7, says this. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is what? Plentiful. The harvest is what? Say plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. Jesus is looking out and he's like, here's what's up right now. The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Jesus looks into this crowd and what he sees is potential. Guys, there's there's opportunity here. Friends, yes, the days are evil and there's trouble all around. Yes, Jesus had people getting ready to crucify him. Yes, he was, you know, facing issues with people starting smear campaigns and hate campaigns, all this. But when he looks out of the crowd, what does he see? First of all, he has compassion. And secondly, he's like, oh, this is loaded with potential. I just love he's just so optimistic. The disciples are like, here they come. They're coming to get us, Jesus. He's like, oh, I love it. There's potential here. And friends, listen to me. We as well need to focus on potential. He says the harvest is plentiful. You know, I know. You look and you're like, the, the days are dark and, and, and it, it doesn't seem to be any hope. And you talk with people that, that it, it just is like doomsday. Everything is so gloomy. It's like the world, you know, you've heard me talk about it before. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. It's like this is the dumbest thing. Whoever like came up, what does that even mean? What does it even mean? But it's kind of this heart of like, oh, and so... It puts the church sometimes, it puts people in a place where, well, here's what we do. We just got to hunker down, going to circle up, circle the wagon, and then we're going to take care of ourselves, just kind of hold on until Jesus comes back. That's not where he's focused. Jesus is like, yeah, the days are dark and things are evil, but there's so much potential. Like, like the fields are white on the harvest. If you are focused on all the problems, friends, you'll never see the potential. Or you say it the other way, if you don't learn to focus on the potential, you're only going to be left with the problems. Jesus walks around focused on not the problem. He walks around focused on the potential. Come on. There's potential in our city. Hello. There's potential in your family. There's potential in your marriage. There's potential with your kids. There's potential with our schools. There's pot- Come on, there's potential. And sometimes you're gonna, if you miss it because you're so focused on the problems. There's all these problems at work. And all the people at work, if, they, if they're just like, my boss at work. And, and, and you focus on all the problems with the kids. Well, my kids, they just got this problem. They got that problem. My, my marriage has got this problem. It's because my spouse has all those problems, Right? 
And, and, and we focus on all the, the problems, the problems, the problems. Now think about it. We're going to put on us the mind of Christ, which goes, okay, there are problems. No one's ignoring the problems. But can we stop talking about the problems with that group and this group? And let's start talking about the potential. What, what could happen if we focused on not the problems in all of our kids, but the potential in our kids? If all you talk about to your child is the problems that you, this is your, you know what your problem is? Do you know what your problem, you know what your, if all you can see is the problem and all you talk to the pro, is the problem, then they'll only see the problem. If that's all you speak over them, that's all they're going to hear. And guess what? You're going to get more problem. Why? Because you've never spoken over them potential. So how about if you face a problem, you face it by coming into the potential. I see so much life in you, and I see so much potential in you, and I see this in you, and that in you, and, right? And you speak to that. I hear wives sometimes they complain about like their husband a little bit every now and then to me. And I get it. The husbands there, some of us are. And here's what I get all the time. Well, I don't understand. Sometimes I get this. I don't understand why my husband does all these nice things for everybody else, but never for me and never for our home. Never. An idea would be what happens sometimes in a home is that when, say, a spouse does something sweet for you, instead of going, here's what you say is, well, it's about time. It's about time. And you, this is what I, but when your spouse goes and does something nice for the neighbor, the neighbor's like, oh, thank you so much. You're just the, you're the best. I, I, oh, you're always like, they're saying like, you are always so kind and you're always doing all these things for us. And you're always, he's getting that from them. So he's going to do that for them. When we bring it here, it's, it's about time. This has always been your problem is that you don't, do you see the difference? One is calling people to life. The other one is just keeping you stuck in the problem. So when Jesus sees the people that obviously have problems, what does he say? There's so much potential. There's so much potential. There's so much potential. He actually says, it's ready unto harvest. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Do you see where the focus is? Is it on redeeming the time or that the days are evil? It's on redeeming the time. Are the days evil? Yeah. So what do we do? We focus on redeeming the time. And not walk around going, the days are so evil. 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 The days are... Come on. Redeem the time. You've got time. You've got a God who's sitting on the throne. Who's filled us with the spirit of God. Enabled us with the power to go and change the dynamic in the world that we live in. And when God looks at it, he says, guess what? You might think there's problems. You might think there's issues. You might think you're, listen, but here's what you need to see from my eyes, God would say, from my perspective, it's ready. It's ready for harvest. It's ready for harvest. Your friends are ready. Your work is ready. Your school is ready. Come on, the world can only take so much. They need hope. They are ready. Your family is ready. If you come in here feeling like you have no hope and like your life is lost and like all you got is problems, I'm gonna look at you and tell you your life is ready. You're at that point right now because of the potential that exists on the other side of you committing your life to Jesus. You're ready, you're ready, you're ready. So everything you're looking at and seeing problems, 
I want you to hear the voice of Jesus. He goes, look again. Look again. It's actually ready. Some say focus on compassion. Say focus on potential. And then we focus on our part. Focus on our part. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, 38. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but here's the problem. The problem is not with the harvest. The problem is not with the people. The problem is not with the work. The problem is not with the schools. The problem is not with, the, the, they're, they're ripe unto harvest. The problem we actually do have that we need to talk about, if we're gonna talk about a problem, the problem is there's not enough laborers to do the work that God is calling us to do. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. And he draws this distinction between the enormous amount of work and the scarcity of workers. The conclusion is that the more workers that did the work, the more harvest would be harvested. The more workers who worked, the more potential would be realized. The problem is not with the potential. The problem is with the participation. The more people who would bring hope, the more people would find hope. The more people who would preach the gospel, the more people would hear the gospel. The more people who would go and love in the name of Jesus, the more people would receive love in the name of Jesus. Jesus is going, the, the problem's not with the harvest. It's with just getting some people who are willing to go and work in the harvest. Now, I did this illustration a while back, a long time ago. I'm going to do it again so you understand it. It's like we got all these people, right? They look like ping pongs, but they're people. We got all these people. And there's nothing that's hindering these people from being moved out of the condition that they're in, whatever the condition that they are in. There's no lid. There's no, Jesus has died for our sins. He's forgiven us. He's opened up a way. He's made a way by which people can be transformed and brought from wherever they might be and into over here, right, a relationship with Jesus where their life is forever changed, okay? So how, here's the question, how do we see people get from here to there? How do we see it happen? Do you know that God actually chooses to work through you and to work through me? He said, you go into all the world and preach the gospel. You go love, you go care, you go bring, you go invite, you go get people around Jesus, amen? Here's what we do sometimes. We go, all right, God, you made a way. Here's, we're getting people around Jesus, we're getting them to church, we're getting them in a relationship with you. We're getting, this is what needs to happen. And we go, go get them, God. Just go, God, do your thing, do your thing. I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray. But God goes, that's great, you can pray, but if you're actually gonna see people come to know Jesus, you can't just sit in your closet and pray. If I'm gonna see my neighbor come to know Jesus, yes, I'm gonna pray, but I'm also gonna go and tell my neighbor about Jesus. I'm gonna invite him to church. I'm gonna, I'm gonna live a life that's, that's caring for him, showing compassion on them, seeing potential in them, not shunning them, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there for them. When I, I'm going to be the person that when they hit rock bottom, they know they can call. Even if they don't believe what I believe, even if they're walking in a, a different path, even if, even if they're doing something that I know, I know it's sin. There is sin in there. Even if I'm going to be the one that when all hell breaks loose in their life, that they could come to me and find heaven. And I, I'm just gonna be there for them. I'm gonna be there for them. I'm gonna be there for them. And all of a sudden, after all that I've done, you see them come over 
and give their life to Jesus. Come on, somebody, celebrate. We just saw someone come to Jesus, right? Now, that's how it happens. It happens with you getting involved in the process. The, 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 we don't say, God, go get them. We say, what does he say to pray? God, send workers. God, send laborers. Why? Because you need laborers to make this happen. So watch, Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? It's a great question, right? Well, how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody what? Tells them. There's gotta be somebody in the mix. There's gotta be somebody involved in the process. Matter of fact, when we pray this prayer that Jesus tells us to pray, my question for you is where do you see yourself in this process? I think sometimes when we, when we go, okay, I'm going to pray the prayer, you're out here going, God, send somebody. Send somebody. Send some laborers into the labor field. But what's supposed to happen is that we're in the labor field and we're doing our part. Matter of fact, I'm working with, I'm working two or three people right now, right? And I got my neighbor and I got, I got this, this guy at work, this girl at work, and then I got, me, you know, that family member. Come on, everyone's got crazy uncle, whoever, right? You know, come on, we just got loving on them. And I'm working with all these people and I'm in the middle of all of this and my prayer now is from the harvest field. God send some help. Would you send somebody else to, yeah, I, I've been praying for, for Uncle, you know, George, Uncle George. And, and, and God, would you send somebody else to talk to George and, as well? And, and God, would you, with my neighbor, and, and you're, you're, you're praying for God while you're in the middle of it. You're praying for God to send help. Why? Because you're realizing, man, we need some help. Now, I just need more Christians out here helping share the word. I need more Christians inviting people to church. I need more Christians. I can't tell you how many stories I've heard of somebody showing up to citizens because someone invited them and then them moving up to, you know, wherever, Montana or something, and them showing up at a church in Montana and giving their life to Jesus. But it all had to do with the fact that someone back here in California invited them to church, heard the gospel. When they hit rock bottom Montana, they ended up finding another church. Right? It's just a whole bunch of people all doing their part. And so you're in here going, God, send somebody. Why? Because I'm just realizing, I, can't, I just need some help. And I think I, might, I think I might actually have some help. And see, some of you guys, you think that this is like you're watching right now and you're like, this is how it should happen. That pastor get up there and sweat all over himself and he just does all the work and he just does all the work and he just keeps doing all the work. But that's not how it's supposed to happen. Here's how it's supposed to happen is we get a whole crew of people and we get a little assembly line going. Come on, help me out right here. We're gonna do an assembly line from here to there, okay? And so here we go. Watch, ready? Here's how it happens. Okay, go, here we go, ready? Go, go, come on, see like that, like that, see? And we're all doing our part. Heck, let's take the city over, everybody. Let's take the city over. Let's take the city over. Let's take the city over. Don't miss any. Oh, no. Come on. Do you see, my friends, how it's supposed to happen? And there's always the ones that get away. But listen, we keep doing our part. Now, listen, what if, what if, I'm going to give that right back to you, Mike. Watch. Listen, what if, what if, what if, what if? We just capture the heart of God. The church exists not for those who are here, but for those who are not here yet. It does. Yes, there's a lot for those who are here. And yes, the, the, there's no greater life than the life lived within the context of the body of Christ. Filled with the Spirit of God. There's no, no greater life. The overarching principle and theme of God's heart is go get some lost people and bring them home because we have a closing window. Amen? So, we pray for God to send laborers into the workforce. So, 
watch, Mike, what if you brought someone with you next week and continue to share up in the mountain where God's planted you, amen? And be a light. And hey, what if, what if you guys, come on, you bring someone, you reach your campus. What if you guys over here, come on, what if you right there, come on in. You guys over here, come on, everyone gets involved. Heads up. Oh, don't get hit. And what if you just keep, in every environment you go into, you, you season it with a little heaven. You just let there be grace. How about instead of when people hear, oh, they're a Christian, they don't feel like, oh, they're not going to accept me. They're not going to love me. That because of my lifestyle, because of my, they think to themselves, oh, those are those people that just, and they're just always so loving and kind and and they're always talking about Jesus. And what if, come on, what if you guys brought somebody with you next week? And hey, did I mention that next week we're gonna have a vision Sunday and it's a really good time to bring somebody? And what if we all, come on, we all just played our part. I promise you, it's not like I have to guess what's gonna happen. I can tell you right now what's gonna happen. You're going to see a harvest. Why? Because it's ready. It's ready. It's ready. It's ready. And it doesn't take a pastor working harder. Come on. It takes a church. It takes a church working where God's called them to work and do what God's called them to do. Come on. Amen. And we will. We will see a harvest. We will see revival. In Jesus' name. Someone say, focus on compassion. Someone say, focus on potential. Come on, I'm going to focus, say it. I'm going to focus on my part. Focus on my part. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives changed through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us. Gotta, gotta keep on.